Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Go in your Bible, if you will, to the book of Matthew chapter 5, if we can all turn over there. I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible this morning for y'all. Okay, verse number 21, Matthew 5, 21 in the Message Bible. Has anybody ever got angry with somebody? Anybody ever get mad, you, you know, spitting mad, okay? Anybody ever had the thought go through your mind, man, I just want to slap them, you know? But you know you can't, so you don't do it, but you feel it. How many have ever been there? Come on now, just, just okay, okay. How many know it's okay to be angry, but how many know it's not okay to park there? In Mark, uh, Matthew 5, 21, the writer says in the message, he says, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. So he's quoting now from the Old Testament. He's speaking from the book of Deuteronomy 5 and also Exodus 20. And he says, do not murder. He says, I'm telling you that anyone who was so much as what? Angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. So it speaks about parking there. It speaks about actually the King James actually is angry without a cause, okay? And then he says, carelessly, it says, call a brother an idiot, okay? You know, over the years, you hear people say, you idiot, you know, the driver that's in front of you that cuts in front of you in the parking lot. It happens at WCS parking lot at times, okay? Carelessly call a brother an idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court and then thoughtlessly yell at them, stupid, at a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. How many know that's not a good place to be? The simple moral fact is that words kill. Now look what the writer goes and says. This is, everybody read it with me. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. So the whole context is be nice to people. How many can agree? How many know if you're angry and you've been parking there for a while, probably the tones that you are going to use are not going to be the sweetest ones. And the words that you're going to say are not going to be the sweetest ones. So the writer says, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship, everybody say, that's here. Okay. And then it says, and about to make an offering. How many know in just a moment it's offering time? Woohoo! Okay. People say, well, it doesn't work. Well, it does work, but here's something you need to know. It says you're about to make an offering. And it said, and you suddenly remember something quickly comes to your mind at offering time. And it says when you're there, it says you remember a grudge. Hang on. A friend has against you. So it didn't even say you have it against them. Is that what it says? Okay. So you remember something. Isn't it amazing? I believe at offering time and I believe at communion time, if there's any unresolved issues in people's life, it will come up at those there times. I can remember going to, to break bread one time and somebody's face came up. And uh, as soon as it came up, I knew exactly what it was. I didn't have to have a message. I didn't have to have Pastor Kathy tell me. I didn't have to have anybody. Come on. Holy Spirit just brings people up because it's an unresolved issue in our life. And God says when you bring your offering, it says you remember a grudge a friend has against you. Notice what he says. Abandon your offering. 
In other words, you say, don't give it. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. So apparently the friend could be a relative. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. Everybody stand up for just a moment while you're here. If you're over there watching by live stream, okay. It says, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. And then it says, look at the next verse. says, then and only then what's going to happen? Come back and work things out with God. Now, this is the principle that your pastor wants to teach you. How many know what we do with one another is determined how our walk is with God? If our walk with God is genuine, our walk with God is real, then how many know our deepest desire inside is to have a good walk with one another? And here's the point. It didn't say you had anything against them. So here's what people say. Well, it's their issue, not mine. Characteristic of a dispassionate brother, whether we recognize it or not. Because I've walked in this here now for 40 years, and what I've learned is it's not always a matter who's right or wrong. People see things perspective-wise, but who's the one that's going to be the initiator, the Arnold, that's going to initiate the reconciliation? Come on. Okay, that's the one that God says, come on now. Come back, and then we got things connected with God. Amen? So when you give today, listen, don't, make sure you just don't have anything against anybody. And if they're in the room, if they're next to you, just make sure you get that area straight. And then come and worship God, okay? Ours comes out on, we give by debit, Kathy and I's, and ours comes out on Monday night, okay, is when they pull it out of our account. So I make sure on Sunday everything is all well in my soul with my wife. Because I want everything to go well with my finances on Monday. Can you all say amen? Because if not, you're just giving away. And, and God doesn't promise you nothing, anything's going to happen. Because you can't honor God and worship God when you have something against one another. Okay? You can be seated, ushers. You may uh, receive the offering today. You've heard me share the statistics in the past. Uh, when a father, a husband gets saved, the siblings, 88% of them follow in. The statistics happen a little bit different when a mother gets saved or a wife gets saved. It's about 13%. How many know that we carry influence within that relationship? And the Bible says we're not better, but we're the head of the relationship. And there's an order that God has set up that when we yield to that as men in the fight for our families, the fight for our marriages, fight for the generations, we can see the hand of God get in there. So we encourage you to come out, sign up, guys. Don't procrastinate. Break that lie of the enemy to put off to tomorrow what needs to be done today and sign up and together we're going to have a great time. Are you all ready for God's word? Is there anybody that wants to have great faith? Anybody wants to have mega faith? Well, the Bible says that without faith, apart from it, it's impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Years ago, I wrote a book called Moving On to Great Faith and I shared about the five tests of faith that go on inside there. And many people have been ministered and blessed by this, and it's been a few years since I've taught on this. So going right along with the four ingredients of faith, we're going to go right now in to the five tests of faith. 
The Bible teaches us that then Jesus answered in Matthew 15, 28, New King James, then Jesus answered and said unto the woman, to her, O woman, great is your faith, be it unto you, or let it be done as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. We saw that prior to that there, there's seven verses that start the story over there of a woman that came from the land of uh, Syrophoenician, and she actually came to Canaan to see Christ. And when she came to see Christ, the Bible teaches us she had a situation, the test of adversity. Her daughter, the Bible says, was grievously vexed or grievously tormented with the Spirit. Then we saw something else. Number one was the test of adversity. Number two was the test. The, uh, it said, and he, Jesus, answered her not a word. And we covered in great detail about the silent treatment or when heaven seems like it's blocked or it's closed up. How many know God is still working? And that's where our faith really comes in. So she passed the test of adversity, and she passed the test of the silent treatment or seemingly unanswered prayer. But the third test was probably the hugest one. The disciples said to her, send her away. Totally insensitive to the individual. If you understand what it means to have a daughter that was grievously vexed with the Spirit, it says harshly, unnecessary, extreme, it meant grave situation, a critical situation, a severe illness that causes incredible discomfort or distress. It also speaks about a blow or shock that is incredibly difficult to endure. And so not only, not only, listen, does she have this situation, she comes to the people that she believes can help her the most, and that's the disciples. And guess what they say? Send her away, get her out of here, we really don't want her around. She's annoying us. Isn't it amazing that the characteristics that we have in a, of unmerciful brethren or dispassionate brother, whichever way you want to term them, I think it can be summarized in a simple word called lack of incent, the very insensitive or a lack of empathy. How many can agree? And if you look at that, empathy is, at its simplest uh, definition, is an awareness of the feelings or the emotions of other people. In other words, we could say it even this way. How many know it's easy to look down upon somebody and to judge somebody, but you've never walked in their shoes? And sometimes I've learned in life that desperate people have desperate actions that go on, oftentimes even in their pursuit of help. So what does this basically mean? An individual that is, has an attitude towards somebody that's going through a difficult times, they oftentimes will say to them, well, it serves them right, what they've sold, they've re and they just deserve it. Uh, how, many know, uh, how many know not everybody deserves everything that comes their way? And how many know that if we all got what we deserve, we'd all be in a mess? And so, but there's an attitude that goes behind it of, I'm better than them, I'm not like them, and so we make these statements, and then others are very judgmental and critical towards the less fortunate and afflicted, and then they say, why are, in they, uh, why are they in that mess? It's probably because of their wrong choices and their wrong decisions. Well, how many know that sometimes there's messes that we live in in life, and it wasn't really us that made the choice? but somebody else might have made a bad choice. 
and their bad choice has affected us in an incredible way. And then there's the aspect about looking down upon others and seeing them as a burden. Uh, we don't want to inconvenience ourselves or go out of our way to help someone. And really it comes down to an issue that's even deeper inside of our hearts than we may know. And so I want to talk a little bit about two things this morning to you. First of all, I want to talk about insensitivity because there's some really incredible studies that have been done on this here. As a matter of fact, I've learned that uh, empathy is a building block of morality for people to follow what we call the golden rule. It helps us if they can put themselves in someone else's shoes. It is also a key ingredient to successful relationships because it helps us understand the person's perspective the person's needs, and oftentimes even the intention that 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 person might have. Now, I'm going to state something right now just to step out of the box a little bit because I want to bring a balance into this here. Sometimes, listen, after we've been empathetic, after we've been compassionate, after we have reached out to some people, how many know there comes what they call tough love? Tough love doesn't mean that you don't care about the person doesn't mean that you still don't love the person. But what I've noticed sometimes when it comes into tough love, it's how and what people do in tough love and the attitude that goes behind it that oftentimes doesn't have that empathy, caring, and compassion. So there's things that we have to do at times, but it's very important how we do them just as much as what we do. So there's been a lot of studies that have been done on this here subject, and I want to just give you a few of them. Studies by Daniel Batson and Nancy Eisenberg have shown that people higher in empathy are more likely to help others in need. They're also, even when doing so, it cuts against what they call the self-interest that literally attacks selfishness. It's amazing that when empathy, which is the actual very character of Christ, the Bible says he was literally moved with compassion. He was moved or impelled towards mercy to individuals. Even ones that were there, the woman at the well, who we can see that he was moved in compassion towards the woman that was caught in adultery. And we can go into many, many other examples throughout the Bible. But it says that it literally attacks the roots of selfishness. How many know when you and I get born again, and we're translated out of the authority in the kingdom of darkness, and we're brought into the kingdom of his son. How many know prior to be born again, how many know the most important person inside of your life was you? But how many know when you get born again, the most important person now is not you, but it's Christ? And then guess what? People matter. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter where they're at on the scale in the culture or society that we live in today. But according to what the teaching of Jesus said, it said, whatsoever you do to the least of these, the most insignificant of these, the less important of these, it says, you do it as unto me. So apparently, Jesus identifies which that which is broken, that which is least, that which is lost, that which is even last. As a matter of fact, he brings to us a whole different way of life. He brings to us a whole different message than many of us were even raised with. And, and, and it's that of empathy and it's that of compassion. So what are the characteristics of selfishness? Selfishness literally means it's concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself. It's concerned about seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, one's own rights, 
are what gives the person, the individual pleasure, our well-being without regard for others. In other words, we can summarize selfishness as whatever it is that's going to make me happy because it's the me and the I. But then it goes on and it says this, without the regard for others. Arising from a concern with one's own welfare or advantage in disregard of others. So in other words, it doesn't matter how I inconvenience or what I do to anyone else, but it only matters about me because I'm the number one. I'm the most important. When we're born again, how many know that God gives us a different perspective of people? God gives us a different uh, view now of individuals. Uh, That's why you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of His Son. That's why I've always stated this here. If there's prejudices that are still going on on nationalities, there's prejudices that are still going on on race, there's prejudices that are still going on on ages, and they're all that way. The teenagers are all this way. Uh, How many know when those prejudices are there, there's a lack of empathy and a lack of compassion And it's also an area with inside of us that we have to ask ourselves, okay, if this is there, what's going on inside of our heart? Because all the issues of life, they all start and begin and proceed forth out of the hearts. Good preaching. Thanks for the shouts. Romans 15 tells us, okay, I didn't think it would be a shouting message until the end, so we'll get over there in a few moments, okay? But in Romans 15... Here's the attitude that we are to have now as new covenant believers. The scripture says, we who are strong. Is there anybody here strong in the Lord? Come on now. Okay. It says, we must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. And then he says, we should help others do what is right. And then what else does it say? And build them up. In the Lord. Now look at the next verse. This, this is huge that you get a hold of this in, in, in verse number three. Everybody say it. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scripture says, the insults of those who have insulted you, O oh God, have fallen on me. So we recognize the purpose of why Jesus came. How many know Jesus didn't come for his own self? How many know he came for you and I, lost mankind? And the scriptures tell us about on the road in the book of Matthew, there was an argument that the disciples actually had. And it literally uses in the King James this word, they dispute it. New Living speaks about there was an argument, there was contention, there was a striving between them about who was going to be first. And then Jesus pulls them all together and says, guys, guys, okay, you want to know who's number one? He said, look at my example. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to be a servant to others. As a matter of fact, this is even taken from the Old Testament example that we have when Rehoboam uh, took over the succession from his daddy Solomon, who was the wisest king in all the earth, that Jesus even made reference to him in the Gospels. And it spoke about Solomon. Uh, He had some older men, some advisors that came alongside of him. And these older advisors were were called in now when Rehoboam, the daddy died in chapter 1 Kings 11, the last two verses, it says Solomon died and went on to be with his fathers. But then it goes right into chapter 12, and the king now, Rehoboam, the successing son, took over the kingdom, and he brought all the wise, the older men in. And he says, how do you advise the king? 
And so these older men, he had seen Solomon's kingdom rise. It had seen the expansion over nations. It had seen the influence rise. It had seen uh, so many incredible things the temple built. It had seen so much good in Israel. And he said, King, he said, we advise you to be a servant to the people. Isn't it amazing? Isaiah, before the great suffering that took place in chapter 53, the most uh, incredible, accurate details of the Messiah's passion, his death, his suffering, and everything that went on, the rejection mankind, the sicknesses that were put upon, the diseases that were put But in chapter 52, it makes reference to the life that he was going to live as a servant. And so he says, King, you be a servant to the people. And he says, and then pay attention, listen to the people. And he says, then he said the third thing, it says, and speak encouraging words over them. And he says, King, if you'll do this, they will be your servants forever. In other words, it's going to last. It's going to be something that's going to be imparted to the generation that will be succeeding you way after you're gone. We saw that he totally despised and rejected that advice and allowed top-down leadership rather than bottom-up leadership to come in. And it was the opposite of what his daddy had taught him, so he lived a selfish life, and the kingdom began to deteriorate, and the rest is all history. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says, You say I am uh, allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And then the writer goes and answers this here. How many know that if our meat causes our brother to stumble, we just don't go there? There's just things and things that we have established over years that we have set up. And, and they're not thus says the Lord, pa, they're not thus says the Lord from the scripture. But, but how many know the Bible says to avoid the near appearance of evil? Okay, so there's just things that we do in our lives Okay, to avoid it, why? Because others, so we don't give them a springboard to attack the name and to attack the church, the ministry. And so the writer here addresses this and he says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. And then Paul writes this out, and this is one of the most incredible revelations that the apostle Paul brings out. He says, is there any encouragement in belonging to Christ? Is there any fellowship in belonging to Christ? And then Philippians 2, 3 says, right after he says, don't be selfish. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, don't be selfish. Okay? And he says this, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. How many know if we all practice that as the people of God, as leaders, then how many know it would be a different society that we live in today? It would be different in our homes. It would be different in our families. But, but this is going to go in now. So what's the antidote? We can go in and speak on selfishness and give all the major characteristics of it. But I want to do something in the flip of it right now. I want to do something that I didn't put in my book. And I didn't develop it greatly in my book. But how many know 20 years later, hopefully I learned a lot more from when I wrote the book. Okay. So I'm going to give you another chapter for the book right now. And I've titled this here called The Law of Kindness. There was a woman in the book of Proverbs chapter 31 that it speaks from verse number 10 to the end of the chapter about all the characteristics of this incredible woman. She's known as, we call it the gracious woman, the virtuous woman. She's known as the Proverbs 31 woman. And it says in 31:26 there was something that she had inside of her. It said when she opened her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. 
the law of kindness. I want to talk to you at WCF and to each one of us and those watching by live stream around the world about the law of kindness right now. Everybody say it. She opens her mouth. Come on. With wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. That word law there means it's a system. Uh, a particular uh, rules, regulations, if you want to turn. And we don't like to hear about that today, but literally it speaks of a regulative principle that is so ingrained in the person that is in operation in their everyday affairs and their everyday life. It speaks about it can be in a country, it can be in a community. It recognizes as a regulation the actions of its members, okay? And the amazing thing is about this here. It's scientifically a phenomena that always occurs if certain conditions are present. So in other words, if this law of kindness is an operation, scientific evidence tells us that when this is there, there's going to be benefits that are going to come. And from now, the research that is all done from secular studies that I've done, I have found out this here. I have found out this here from that, from the research over here, when this law of kindness is in operation. I have found out that when the law of kindness is in operation, I have found out, number one, that people are no longer prejudiced. Are you there? I have found out this here. People that are operating in empathy in this kindness are no longer bullies. I have found out that people that are operating in this here kindness are no longer control freaks. That they got to control everybody in every circumstance and every word and every little detail and everything about every person's life. As a matter of fact, here's what it says. Empathy is good even for your marriage. Research suggests being able to understand your partner's emotions deepens intimacy and it boosts relationship satisfaction. It also is fundamental to resolving conflicts. How many times have you heard this here? She's so insensitive. He's so insensitive. They're so insensitive. That's exactly what we're talking about over here. And then here's another one. Empathy promotes heroic acts. A study by Samuel and Pearl Oliner found that people who rescued Jews during the Holocaust had been encouraged at a young age to take the perspective of others. It was already there. So the question that we ask ourselves then in this 2016 is what are we modeling and what are we teaching to the children and to the grandchildren today? Are we teaching them to be sensitive to the elderly? Are we teaching them, okay, to be sensitive to their parents? Are we teaching them to be sensitive to their teachers? Are we teaching them sensitivity? And then here's another thing. Empathy fights inequality. A study by Robert Reich and Arlie Horschild have argued empathy encourages us to reach out and want to help people who are not in our social group. Hang on. Even those who belong to a stigmatized group like the poor. People show less empathy when they attain higher socioeconomic status. In other words, when we have titles and we have names and we have influence and we're up here on this title, in other words, naturally we are going to be less concerned about those in the lower status. But how many know that's why Jesus said, except you become a servant, 
Come on now. The greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. So he's saying to us, let's esteem one another. Doesn't matter where they're at on the social economic status of the society, but let's esteem one another more highly than our own self. And an amazing empathy is good for the office. Managers who demonstrate empathy have employees who are sick less often and report greater happiness. As a matter of fact, empathy is also good for the health care. A large-scale study found that doctors high in empathy at patients who enjoy better health. Other research suggests training doctors to be more empathetic improves patient satisfaction and the doctor's own emotional well-being. And we have, I have a whole thing all on here of all the things that we can share on empathy. But I want to just zero in in these next few moments on that law of kindness for a moment. Is that okay? And, and here's a few things that I have learned from the Scripture. I want everybody to stand up. Okay? Has anybody ever been rewarded for a good behavior? Has any child, uh, when you were a kid, ever been rewarded for something that you've done? Okay, hang on. Listen to what the Scripture says for just a moment. It says, Proverbs eleven seventeen, Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Okay? In light of a fight, in light of a contentious situation, if you can operate in the aspect of kindness, then the Bible says you're going to be rewarded because of it. But if you stay cruel and you stay harsh and you stay insensitive, then it actually said it's going to be the thing that is going to destroy you. And here's something else, and then you can be seated in a moment. Don't you see how wonderful, kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? How many can see that inside of your life? He says, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Isn't it amazing we translate the word kindness? You can be seated. We translate the word kindness as goodness. We translate the word kindness as loving, genuine love, genuine affection. Now, this is what I learned in these 20 years, okay? How many fruits of the Spirit are there from the book of Galatians chapter 5? How many know? There's nine. Is that right? Love, joy, peace, goodness are the first four. And then how many know there's the last four? But how many know, and I, I never saw this before until I actually started studying this year out. Did you know that the one that is in the very center of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness? Isn't it amazing that uh, everything that we live our life today is out of the center of who we really are? Our character all comes out of here. The issues of life all come out of here. And isn't it amazing that God in his all-knowing that knew that we would all be here on this August 29th or whatever day it is, 2016, to give us the revelation that in the very core of the fruit of our lives is to be that of kindness. Isn't it amazing? We can go a little bit further here and, and look at this here. The Paul, he, he said in Philippians chapter 4 to the church that reached out to him, to the Macedonian saints that reached out to him, that had supported him, that had sowed in him. He says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a word for, uh, receive an award, a reward for your kindness out there. And then how many know this morning, all of us, we all got dressed yeah, hopefully, okay. Okay, we all clothe. Come on now. But let me just ask you a question. Did you clothe yourself in God's wardrobe this morning? 
Well, I'm going to ask the test. We're going to give you a test right now. It says in Colossians, in the New Testament epistle, chapter 3, verse 12, he says over there, since God chose you to be the holy people, he loves. Come on now. And then he says something. Come on. You what? You must. This is an imperative. This means he's expecting an action from our life. Don't call it letter of the law. Don't call it legalism. Just call it what it says. You must clothe yourself. Apparently, we don't have it on. So he says, you must clothe yourself with what? Come on. Tender-hearted mercy. What else? Kindness. What else? Humility. A couple others. Gentleness and patience. And everybody said, man, I've been naked. How many know that's what God wants you to be clothed with? So if we don't have them clothes on, how many know we're not doing real well? Oh, it's going over so well. I feel so much affirmation over here. Okay. But, so, so, uh, okay. Here, here's another one. This is really wild. So get rid of 1 Peter chapter 2, 1. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. And he said, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation Cry out for that nourishment, this nourishment, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Okay, so I'm going to give you all a homework assignment. How many love homework? Wait, how many know you have homework because there's going to be a test that you're going to have that you want to pass? And I've already asked you earlier, you want to have great faith. So we're going to give you a little test. Are you all there? And this is going to be your assignment. I want everybody to look at somebody and say, it's good. All right. Number one is show appreciation to someone close to your life. I want everybody to stand, and I want you to do it right now, because that person's next to you, so I don't know if they're a stranger, if they're brand new, if they're here for the first time, whoever it might be, but I want you to verbalize some appreciation for that person that's close to you right now. For just, just turn to them, don't be looking at me, look at them for just a moment, and just verbalize your appreciation to them, and then allow them to verbalize their appreciation to you. Okay, everybody do it to both. I'll look at them and smile at them. All right, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to do it for 21 days. Every day to verbalize your appreciation for someone close in your life. Because in 21 to 28 days, the habit's already formed and it'll become a lifestyle inside your life. You can be seated. I got to move quick, okay? So most of you didn't write it down or didn't really don't know and then you're going to walk out and you're going to forget about, what did he say? And by tomorrow, you're going to forget about it, and then that habit's not going to be formed. You're going to be in the same situation you were when you came in a week ago. Good preaching. Thanks for the shouts. So you're telling me i got to take notes in church. I don't care how you do it. I take notes on my cell phone. I take notes on my iPad. When I'm up here, when somebody's speaking, I'm not texting someone. I'm actually taking notes on that. Okay, and I got, I got just in my cell phone, I got 438 notes of people that I've heard messages from. And wrote it up right on my cell phone. I can show you that, okay? And then here's, here's another one, okay? On, on, how many know that's a good one to start with? So there's going to be seven, okay? And number two is show gratitude to a neighbor, to a stranger, someone you're not connected to, okay? Let's just give you a, a breakdown on how this could be. And, and, and how many know that, that we're to make allowances for one another's faults? And we're not to be easily offended. Is that not right? So if I don't mention your name, don't get bent out of shape today. 
So a neighbor who never, maybe you met, you really don't know them. But how about a superstore employee like our Victoria? Or a Canadian Tire Cash Register girl like our Caroline? Or a Costco girl like our Sue? Or a Lowe's employee like our Jay? Or a Home Depot guy like our Bill? Or a post, uh, a post office attendant like our Rob Remington? Or Micah, an OPP officer? Or Jamie at the Pita Pit? Or how about a visitor at WCF today? Or uh, John, who's a manager at Walmart? Or a receptionist, Sherry? Or, or, or the Banks family? at Giant Tiger, Joseph's Produce over there. Uh, how, how about showing attention and affection and empathy, come on now, and appreciation to somebody that's just a stranger inside of your life. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes when you begin to step out in this here, the Holy Spirit will give you, I call them Holy Spirit downloads. I crave for those daily that the Holy Spirit would give me downloads. And sometimes I'm just affirming a person, and all of a sudden their life will just come right before me, and I'll have the exact word for what they need. And this is just how, and, and I'm not anything different than anybody else, but it's a craving that I have to move in the supernatural so that we can actually connect with an individual on another level. And there's people all over this room that are here today because somebody spoke something into their life of encouragement never got. So that's number two. Number three is give a helping hand. I want to just state this here right now, volunteering. A few years ago, my wife uh, came up to me and, and she came into my room in the morning. She was on one side of the house and I'm on the other side. It's amazing how we have to text in our own house. And so this is before we moved into this here house. And she comes in later and she says, man, you were up early this morning because she's up at 4 a.m. Okay, that's her time with God. She goes to bed around 6, but then she has those two hours like clock, okay? She wakes up. I don't know what happened. That's her. I don't get up to 5.30. So anyway, this guy comes over and was shoveling my, uh, was actually snow blowing my driveway. And so I says, Kath, I'm, I'm just getting up now. And she says, no, you were, out there, you were out there doing the snow. I says, Kath, I wasn't out there. You were out there. I saw you doing the driveway. I says, okay, whatever. You know, like, I'm not going to argue it's too early in the morning. Come on. But it's like, whatever. And it's, honestly, they're here with us today. Dave Belongi and, and, and Jennifer, we went out to dinner with them that night. And so Dave goes, yeah, I was over there this morning shoveling uh, our snow blowing your driveway. And he said, I like to do it every week if that's every time it snows. I says, great, you got the job, man. You're there. Well, and Kathy just looked and she said, that was you. And I said, well, I told you it wasn't me. How many say amen? amen? Okay, I say all that because that act of kindness really relieved me of the stress of taking care of the snow. And so oftentimes I'm gone more than I am around. And so having that done, and then this other guy comes up, his name's Bill. Bill Matthew comes up and says, Pastor, I, I, you know, I heard you about grass and weeds and all that. He said, I love to cut your grass, take care of everything. I said, you got the job, buddy. It's all yours. Redemption is here. My deliverance has come. I'm no longer in the weed garden. And so how many know those acts of kindness are not, listen, that, that they really meant a lot to me. And when we start operating and giving a helping hand, I just want to say, you know, I've met some of the most amazing volunteers in the whole planet over here. A Jerry Purdy, a Ron Westfall, a Don and Lynn Terrio, a Julie Hunter, and so many others that are ongoing ministering and helps ministry over here. And you know, we got a thousand ministries of helps over here at WCF right now. There's a thousand of us right now. And praise God, by 2020, maybe we can just take that to 2,000. Can you say amen? Okay, this can actually, listen very carefully, it, it, it helps us all to step out. So let's do a kind act. 
for somebody. And then number, the next day is practice honoring someone as an act of kindness. Businessman, a car salesman, maybe a doctor, a teacher, police officer, fireman. Uh, how about uh, Hillary Payne from our community here? Or how about, how about our mayor, Drew Dilkins, over here? And let's just send them an encouragement letter or an email or a text on how much we just appreciate their leadership in our community over here. That went over so well. It's really quiet on that one, okay? And, and how about, here, here's the next one, is invest in the family times with parents or grandparents or children especially. How about the elderly? Okay? And visit maybe a shut-in or a bereaved one or one that maybe lost their husband and as a couple we can go in and encourage them or maybe a distant aunt and give a call to a relevant uh, a relative you haven't seen surprise somebody maybe today with an act of kindness that you haven't talked with in 10 years and I'm sure even as I'm speaking the Holy Spirit can bring up people's to people's minds and get pictures of those people and say you know what it's been a long time and you know but it's amazing how we're there quick to run for the estates but sometimes we forget about them while they're here. And that's for another message, okay? My hero and best friend, my daddy, up until he was 90 years of age and he passed away, got a call from his son every day. My dad, many, I've never, I don't think I've ever even shared this. My dad died. He went into the palliative care to the, the final days. And you guys, some of you nurses and people would understand all that there. And, and I'll never forget my sister when she hugged my dad and there was a tumor that just was bursting right through his ribs right at the end. Never even said anything about it. Never, never complained. Always just stayed, stayed up with God, stayed positive, stayed encouraging. It was just bursting right out through his rib cage. My sister broke when she went to hug Dad for the last time, and, and she could actually feel the whole thing. And she's, Dad, Dad. He said, oh, it's fine, Grace. Don't worry. Everything's good. So all that way. That was my hero. Can you say amen? But let's not wait till it's too late. Let's reach out to someone. Let me just say something. The Bible, you know, I got to close and it's, it's time, but, you know, really, our religion is really not a talk. The Bible says if any man can't control his tongue, his religion is in vain. We said true Christianity or true religion is to, what, take care of the widows, take care of the orphans, and to keep oneself unspotted from this world. That's really what our Christian journey should be like. Can you all say? Finally, the last one I want to give you is, I remember um, an individual called me up on the phone and had some not-choice words with Pastor Rick. And she said, your church this and your church that, and you tell your people to keep their so-and-so papers, and I'm not going to go into all the other kind words. And I said, hey, who are you? Who are you? What's, what's the matter? And she says, well, I, I, you know, I'm a waitress in this city, and your, your church stamped is here. And I said, first of all, ma'am, I said, I don't know what you're talking about, but I apologize to you for what happened. And I said, I, if I can just connect with you, if you can come over here, and, and i I just like to meet you, and just, for what? I said, I, I, I just want to personally say I'm sorry for the behavior. Some guys, four, four guys from our church went to a restaurant around here, and they left the track and no tip. And it had WCF on it. And I'm like, I want to know who these guys are. Okay? There's the goodness side of Pastor Rick, but that day they got the severity side of Pastor Rick. 
And so I found out who they were, and I called them in, and I said, did you guys go over there? And he, yeah, yeah, why? I said, did you guys not leave a tip? And their faces, man, I'll, I won't go into graphic detail. Man, I was smoking ticked, okay? I was the angry ticked, okay? I said, you guys need to repent, and you need to go over there and tell them you're a jerk, okay? Just go over there and tell her what you did, and you guys are wrong and how you're sorry, and it'll never happen again. And I says, take what you would normally give 15% and make it 45%, and then go and give that. And then I gave her a $50 bill. I gave her a $50 bill. I just apologized to her. And she, oh, no, 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 no. You know what? So oftentimes, because of lack of empathy, we don't know what people are going through. And man, they might be waiting on us. It could be a server. It could be a, a man or a way. And, and they could be and having a worse day. Coming home, maybe their marriage just broke up and they have to work and, and to put food on the table. Or maybe they just found out their daughter's on crack. Or maybe they just found out that there's an unwed pregnancy. Or maybe they just found out some bad, and they're having a bad day. I've learned to try to be empathetic towards them and double or triple whatever it is that we would normally give them. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't know how you can make that person's day. Are you all there? So that's the last thing I want to share. We're going to put a video on. We're going to have communion. I'm going to get you all out here a little bit late, but is it okay? Let's all stand to our feet.